0: Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. In this episode, how do you keep an eye on the business stuff while you're in the throes of a a new creative endeavor? And, And what lessons have you learned about hiring your first key hire? Or how about this one? How can you communicate with your audience without overwhelming their email inboxes? These questions from listeners and more on the show today. This, of course, is The Fizzle Show. The word fizzle has, has two meanings. Two of them. One, to fail in a weak and disappointing way. And two, to buzz or crackle, almost like electricity. Through this show, we explore why many small businesses fizzle out and why others seem to crackle and buzz with energy. Your hosts are, uh, if we were coffee brewing methods, Caleb, would be the French press, one handle, one pot, and the result is a cup of deep bold black gold. Corbett would be the aero press. The most convenient thing to bring with you, and it can brew on most grind sizes. Chase, that's me, would be the pour over. Takes a while to get used to, but when you get the hang of it, there's no turning back. That comes from Heg Johnson from Norway. More from Hank Johnson later. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 71. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gap. So let's get into it.
1: Cheeky
0: little monkey. Oh, why should you have been in the bathroom? Again. <laughs> oh, cheeky little monkey. Oh, Edward. Monkey. Monkey. Monk. Monker. You do it really well. You do that. You nail that. Do I? Monkey. Monkey. Okay, I don't, I don't really know where it comes from in my mouth. <laughs> not
2: there. <laughs> it's not the right place. I don't really know where it comes from in my mouth. No, I can just see Aiden starting to do this stuff as he yeah. gets just another year or two older. Yeah, I can't. Wait. He's gonna start asking those I'm questions. Be like, "All right, buddy, let's talk about impressions." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Here's some things I wish I would have learned. Jim I mean, never did that as a give kid. Give me your best Mickey Mouse. I never liked practiced. I never looked in the mirror like Jim Carrey would spend hours in the mirror just going. <laughs> I wish I would have. I spent. I spent. Man, all those hours playing guitar and look where that got me. <laughs> Nowhere. I know all my scales. Put that in the pilot. There was probably two hands. girls that liked me because I played music. But other than that, like two girls that actually, I probably
2: that's probably how I nailed Melissa. Music. The music
0: was, was the music thing.
2: I believe that. She gets that look in her eye when you start playing. Yeah. You're singing. And uh It makes me uncomfortable. Had the time of my life.
0: And I owe it all to you. (laughs) You're supposed to go, hey, baby. Oh, damn it. All right, we're back with another one of them block dropping beats. Oh no! Why would I be wearing this hat if I wasn't from
1: Jamaica? I've got Corbett Leebar over here. What up, Corbett?
2: <laughs> oh no, this is going to turn Irish in a second. You can't hold the Jamaican.
1: Get him, Wajik.
3: I usually end up going Italian when I try to do Jamaican for too long.
2: No, oh, I've never heard you try to do it at all. I had an Italian once. <laughs> it was the best sandwich
0: ever. <laughs> Boy do I love caprices salads. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get into some question the question and answer, answer today. We've got a bunch of questions and uh just well, we got a bunch of answers. We're just looking for the right questions. Um and I think we should just jump
2: right in, don't you think, guys?
0: So you I feel like give given what for- happened.
2: I feel like what what happened last week necessitates jumping right in because we certainly didn't jump right in. We were dipping our toe in the water. We were di- we we're getting in. We were getting. I was like too hot
0: in a hot tub. It's hot in the hot tub. i will make to burn myself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're high on life, folks.
0: Oh God, I love that. That every every you know over thirty three year old in the audience is just like I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Well, I mean. The little cheetah. That was the, from a the, long time ago. The uh, the uh, uh, yeah, but
2: that was I, like I, that uh, was like
0: eighty five or something. I mean, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't cognizant of it, but Too I hot watched in it. The hot tub. <laughs> I'll make a bargain sale. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: okay, so uh,
0: Caleb, you've got questions for us. How do you feel about the, the lineup today?
3: Uh, pretty good. We actually sourced some of these a little bit. We <sighs> were like, hey, who do we want to ask questions? So we went and found them. And so, do you want to start with Mike?
0: Yeah, but let's do this first. Let's just say, hey, hey, listener out there, uh, we're getting to a point where we've, we've got some more questions to answer. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your question. What and, and do this, do this. Jump on. You can go to FizzleShow.co/slash/ask. Okay, it's going to pull up this page using a tool called uh, Spork Pip, um, Spork Pip, Speak Pipe. And you're going to press play, and it's going to say, uh, or plus like record my thing, and then it's going to pop up this little thing that says like, "Can I use your microphone?" And you're going to say, yeah, totally. That's cool. I mean, let's do it because you can trust it. Um, And if they do anything saucy or bad, you just let me know because we'll talk directly to them uh, over at the Spork Pips. But uh, then you're going to say, hey, listen, guys, you're insane. And I don't know if I can trust you, but here's where my business is. I I help people do (laughs) X, Y, and Z.
2: I'm committed to to asking the question, but I'm not committing to using the advice. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, Here's what my business does. Tell me that. Tell me that in thirty-five seconds. If you can't do that, maybe you need to do a little. Maybe maybe you've answered your own question. That's
2: true. Ask us a question just to try to tell us what your business does in three sentences. Because
0: I want to hear what you what you guys are doing, what you're building, what your idea is. And so say, here's my idea. Here's what here's what I'm doing. Here's where I am. Here's my struggle with right now. How do Mm -hmm. I get more? How do I? How do I? What? uh, Yeah.
2: yeah. When you said uh, spork pipe, um, spork pip reminded me. Did you see the Lego movie? yeah of course oh god when when they when they find the objects from the other world you know and he's like i found this it's the shroud of ben daid it's like a gross gross old band-aid or get the get the polish of Nail (laughs) nail polish (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, it's so good that movie is really funny it's so funny oh
0: bad man throwing the grrr, first time <laughs>
3: all right so let's do get into it caleb where, where do we want to start all right let's start with our our text one first so this one comes from mike hurley mike hurley we know um, that guy hey, hey right. I, hello, governor. if we know them, we use their last name is yeah. that how it works
0: yeah it's true
3: yeah do you want to give some background on him real quick i think would uh, add context mike hurley you you might
0: uh dear podcast listener have have heard about because he's uh he's a very successful podcaster uh very well known in certain circles just left uh he was a part of uh, a, a big part of the five by five network and just kind of like caleb has, has done recently he just stepped off on his own to start his own thing and he's actually starting his own podcast network uh he's got, got several several shows up there and uh caleb do you remember what the name of his his thing is
3: Relay FM, I think
0: you've got it. Yeah, Relay FM.
2: Was he somebody that you asked um, a question on the Vistle show a while back? Of maybe not. Mm, I'm not sure. Hmm.
0: I don't think so. I don't think I've, I've interviewed him before, but we should do that. Um, okay. So what does what does Mike what does Mike say? Mike, Mike here's a thing about Mark. Right? He's from the UK, right? He's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. Young guy. Young guy got a great girlfriend. Really proud of him for that. And uh, Caleb. Tell us a bit more about what he's thinking about.
3: He says, I'm just starting off on a journey of running my own business and lots of awesome things are happening as a part of it. But something I have to make sure I do is keep my feet on the ground and my head down. Do you have any advice on how to focus my efforts to ensure that I'm keeping an eye on the business side of things, as well as concentrating on the creative aspects of my new gig?
0: With your feet on the ground, your head in the clouds yeah <laughs> got this thing and stick it yeah <laughs> <Dang> it.
3: <laughs> it's
2: too early
0: It's was like a whole four bars early
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Corbett bar is nothing if not a few bars shy of a measure <laughs> music joke oh, I think I got it backwards too <laughs> I think a measure is a part of a bar, not the other way uh, around. Um, which is the inception of the joke. So so uh, what I'm hearing, Caleb, tell me tell me if you, if I'm hearing this right, is he's just started off his own thing. He's super excited about it. And he's He's trying not to get like sort of bogged down in the day-to-day running this thing, mm. keeping, uh, keep, be, still being able to do the creative.
2: No, stuff. I think it was the other way around. I think he was worried about being too much in the clouds, and he wants to know that he's getting the business side of things right.
3: Yeah. What, what do you hear, Caleb? Yeah, the the latter.
0: Well, this is the nature of just who language right? in general. Who is right, Caleb? This is,
2: I mean, language is a symbol and a symbol
0: of what? A symbol of someone's consciousness and you can never truly know anybody. So what's the point of trying to communicate? Anyways?
2: Caleb, just tell
3: us who is right. I think you were in this case, Corbett, yeah. Oh. You owe me coffee. He wants both things. He wants to keep an eye on the business side and concentrate on the creative parts business and creative. How do we balance that?
0: Okay, so let's talk about how we do it, guys. We have lots of ideas.
2: We, we have, have you. <laughs> we have one of you and one of me, and we used to have one of Caleb.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in a transition phase. And I yeah. had to teeter-totter between the two modes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, but how do we do it? I mean, we have, so what we do is we meet together. Normally, we'll have every six months, something like that. We'll get together, all of, all of us in person. We'll plan out something. We'll come up with some, like, scheme. Yeah. Uh, and we'll plan out so what we've what we've gotten is this this idea of three month uh, themes. themes, and <laughs> which which
2: are stretching into like five months. Yeah, of the, well, yeah.
0: everything we've ever planned it stretches is makes so much sense. We can get a whole year planned out. Yep, and then that first part of that ends up being ten months, man. And then we don't have enough. <laughs> and then like so, we are really bad at planning. That's what I just think I just think planning's planning's hilarious. No, but no, I think so we're he's, good at
3: planning. Oh, we're good at planning. We're, and we're at bad playing. at executing. <laughs> yeah.
0: So,
2: so Mike is on his own though. So the the metaphor that I think applies to him is the CEO worker bee concept that yeah. we published publicly a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. a month ago, two months ago. I don't know. Yeah. This idea of you let yourself be creative and you let yourself do the planning, but then you can't be in planning mode all the time, or the work never gets done. So you have to alternate between. Being the CEO, yeah. guy, being the the creative director guy, and then putting your head down and getting the work done and um, recently, actually, I've been reading about uh, I've been reading a lot of james clear His, he man, he's good yeah. stuff's good, yeah. but um, he's been talking a lot about motivation and about actually getting the work done mm-hmm. and there's this really interesting study that showed that people who were told motivations for getting something done, like working out, like here are all the reasons you should work out because it's good for your health, because you'll live longer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. There's that group. Then there's a group that wasn't told anything at all. Then there was a group who was told motivation, but they were also instructed to say specifically when, where, and how they were going to do the work that was needed to be done to fill the motivation part, the workouts, whatever it was. And the interesting thing was that people who were told the motivation piece were worse off than people who just were instructed to exercise. Hmm. The people who were told the motivation piece and were instructed to to uh, spe- specify where, when, and how they were going to do the thing, they were more than two times uh, li- more likely to actually wow. do the work. So motivation—it's—it looks like doesn't really help. What helps is saying specifically when and where I'm going to do the activity. Yeah. Or there's some know. sort of
0: mix, right? Because I mean, compared to the people who aren't being told about the motivation and aren't working out, uh, you know. No, as well. no, no.
2: Those people were actually the people who were just said you need to work out. Yeah. But not why yeah. they actually did better than the people who were, we're motivated told that or and then were just told.
0: given motivation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
2: anyway, so and we can include a link to that article down there. But so what it's been making me think about is restructuring my day, my day, my day to day routine, making yeah. it more of a routine to say this is the time when I operate as. CEO planning mode guy. Yeah. And this is the time when I just go heads down and you know what? I'm just looking at my list of tasks and I'm just knocking them out. Yeah. Versus having the whole afternoon free. And then you kind of flit from creative idea to creative idea without actually ever getting anything done. So sure. you kind of if if you're working by yourself and nobody's expecting anything of you, it's really easy to get into that trap of you can spend all afternoon talking yourself in circles. You said you did this on Monday, right, yeah. Chase? I do that, like, multiple times a week. Yeah. You spend a whole afternoon, you know, having great idea after great idea, and then you kind of end up circling back around to where you were in the first place, and here you are four hours later, Charlie. nothing's done, uh, and it's cocktail time, yep. you know? Yeah. So, I've just been thinking about structuring my day, and, and to me, um, I think for Mike, it means making sure that you have a balance between creative time and uh, and doing time, mm. and, And making that balance a, a, an explicit thing, not just a, yeah, uh, okay, I need to balance. I got to balance things. I should balance things because what ends up happening is the fun stuff is the planning and the creative stuff. And it's really easy to let that take over and not to get down to the nitty gritty. So, you know, spend your planning time to say, what do I need to be doing? Uh, what do I need to do on the business side? What do I know is important to my business? And then, plugging in times on your calendar or to do items on your task list, which are the execution phase, the the business side yeah. things that he knows he needs to be doing.
0: Yeah. And I'll put a link to the CEO worker bee mode thing in the show notes as well. If you weren't familiar with that, because um, what you're, what's great about what's, this is like an inherent balance thing. Like this is just tough. It's so hard to do. I mean, we all, we uh, on a, there's all these different runways or all these le- different, sorry, these, these different levels, these different altitudes. Okay. There's where you're on the runway and this is just like all the stuff's happening. Then you, then you get up about 500 feet in the air and you're like, okay, I can kind of see stuff, but I'm going to stay focused on this one project and stuff like that. And then there's, you know, you go, you go up several thousand feet next, thing you know, you're at 10,000 feet and you're looking at like, all of the scale of your project, of your projects, of your life, right? Here's my role as a father, as a, as a lover, as a, as a friend, as a, you know, all, there's like yep. all sorts of things that are, your, that are job descriptions, you know, for you that you, you are committing yourself to, even though you've never really said that to yourself. And so we, I find that I'm flying at different altitudes all the time. And, and I, and sometimes my vision's really, really focused on this one task, but I find that I need to be con- convinced that this task is the right one or that it contributes to that greater sort of to the direction that I want to be going. Cause chances are I'm not in love with this task, you know, chances right. are this like, you know, like Josh ship, I keep going back to this quote that he had on our, I think it was, uh, the product series, podcast episodes that we did, uh, where he said, he, he said, listen, if you don't care about the thing that you're building, you're going to find it really hard to do all the grunt work that yeah. everybody has to do for, any business totally. or project that they're doing, you know, we all have to do this stuff. Yeah. So, Mike, uh, where I would go with you is, I would say, first of all, you're doing it great. Congratulations, you've launched the thing. You're doing the stuff. Now you're learning, like, really, really deeply about this sense of I need to put gluten free crackers on the table. I got to pay for the things. Um, and uh, and the, and then there's 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 just like doing the work and being yourself. And then there's like trying to be a smart guy and being all strategic. And I try to be like. A strike smart strategic guy and I find that I, I lose my motivation. I, I'm not good at it. That's actually not my skill. My skill is like I can turn on a mic and I can and I can talk to people. Um and my skill is like falling in love with the situations that people are in and the development that they're going through and the journey and all that stuff. And I can be insightful about that way easier than I can be strategic about a marketplace decision or something like that. So don't get too bogged down in like in 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 businessy things. The dream is that you get to partner with someone who's who's already th- who already like can't help but think that way I guess. But I don't know the balance between creative like like between like thinking up of the things to do and then actually doing them and finding the time for that. It's still very much something that I deal and struggle with. I mean for me my week I don't I don't have a daily routine. I do to some degree but like when we're working on this new dashboard for Fizzle I just, that's the task. <laughs> like normally I just write that cause I know what's next. And every yeah. once in a while I'll, I'll need to get way more granular on it. Oh, hook up these two bits. All right. Design that thing. Okay. Now we need to make this check mark work in CSS or yada, yada, yada. Um, but most of the time it's like, I don't have to write down for myself what I'm doing this week because there's only one thing on the list and it's this big project, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. Caleb, what would you say?
3: Well, I think that if maybe he means by business things, things like, making sure that he's making enough money and accounting and stuff like that. I know that Corbett you always just have that scheduled on your calendar and so you just know that once every month you have to deal with that kind of stuff. You have to deal yeah, with and the, actually, legal, that's a really the big, payroll that the money stuff. That's a big tip
0: yeah. right there is just just like the monthly check-ins. Like if you need to have a statistics sort of that's your metrics you know, and analytics and, like and like metrics that, yeah. thing, do it once a month. Schedule it. Do it a whole a whole morning every and then every don't think about. Or it. weekly. Yeah. Yeah depending on what your needs are. And so just figuring out that CEO says, "Yeah, this is important on this schedule, so let's let's just recurring event.
2: That stuff is fun for me, though, so it just kind of happens, you know?
3: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anything else, Caleb? No, I think that's about all I would add. I, the, the CEO, Worker B stuff, I mean, most of your time is Worker B. And yeah. CEO mode, I almost always do Monday morning. And then I try not to do it too much. I mean, there's probably... Ten to fifteen minutes of it every morning. Yeah. But like Monday morning is a good chunk of time. Yeah. And I go up to that ten thousand, twenty thousand foot level, look at everything that's going on, look at my calendar for the past week and the next couple, see what I could have like done to follow up on stuff that I had going on. Think, okay, what can I do to be better prepared for the things that's coming up? Then look at email, any tasks, any projects I'm working on, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, cool, Mike. Hopefully that answers your question. Uh everybody, listen, if you want some more
0: great podcasts to listen to, check out relay.fm. I love Mike. I love what he's doing over there. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a of a s a recently retired show that he was on with Matt Alexander called Bionic. Uh that was quite a thing to to witness. Um and it's great, great show, tons of back episodes on uh five by five called command space lots of interviews on there that are his mike's one of the guys that i dream of teaching a course on how to do interviews within fizzle um i will continue to try to get him
3: to say yes to that really all right what do we got caleb what else all right here let's take a listen to this question from greg hickman
4: chase caleb and corbett this is greg hickman with mobilemixed.com thanks for letting me ask a question um love the show and I am looking to bring on a project manager uh someone within the united states part time um, they can be virtual and really to help me manage um, about two to three key projects that I'm working on, and really that can help be really detail oriented put together the plan, and also run with a lot of the plan managing a lot of the day to day little tasks um you know some of the other little things you know like helping with email and coordinating calendars and things like that. But this, this role is definitely more around helping advance a project. So I'm about to start interviewing a handful of candidates. What questions would you be looking to ask a potential project manager that would be part time, um, as kind of your first, one of your first early on key real key hires would love to know. Thanks. Ooh, great question.
2: Yeah. So, what were the roles that he listed?
3: Project manager is the only one.
2: That's the only one. Yeah. I mean, that's so the
3: biggest thing. I mean, he said that there was some stuff related to it. So, like emails and scheduling. But this is and stuff his like first that. hire. And first it's hire. A project manager. It's a key. He's a, you know, it does no, sound has, like a key hire. He has hire. VAs, I'm pretty sure.
1: Okay. But
0: yeah. first um, key hire. They're
3: doing certain things like maybe email, yeah. maybe editing of some sort. I don't know specifics. Yeah. But this would be specifically to manage the multiple things he has going on. Yeah. Okay
2: interesting um i mean our our well of talent has always come from our readership our customers Mm -hmm. our listeners all that kind of stuff
0: that's a luxury by the way it shouldn't be like just glossed over like that's a big that's a big thing i mean you hired caleb because he was a part of your audience before that you hired me because we ended up meeting each other at a bar and and uh just became friends, I guess. You know, so it was yeah. just like, and now you just hired me for to design your site. You yeah, know, it was just but, a little but project. But we knew
2: each other to begin with, and you were part of the cir- same circles. Yeah, and so that's been a big deal for us because we've known everyone that has come to the team. Uh, I've gotten to know before I had to hire them, uh, which is which is nice. And I guess that tells you something. You have an advantage, probably, if you know me. And yeah, I open up a position or whatever because. Yeah. It's just hard it's just hard to say okay I know this guy and he's a, he's solid and then we've got these other candidates and you do interviews but it's just hard to get to know people on the level that you yeah. already know somebody else and feel confident about so um so you you're right that's not to be glossed over Greg has, he has plenty an of audience, yeah. yeah he has an audience so that's the place I would always start because you want someone who believes in your cause And believes in the way that you're doing things, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and cause that, that's what keeps people around. And that's what gets the best work out of people, I think, is Mm -hmm. if they really believe in who you are and what you're trying to do. And Greg probably has those people in his audience already. I don't know that he has project managers necessarily, but that's where I would start with. Um, And he asked specifically,
0: like when you're in the interviews with these people, what are the questions that you, that you would end up asking? And so, one I always say, uh, I always start with is there's a fox on one side of the river and a chicken on the other. And it's
3: just kidding.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even remember it, it, but that's all I needed. I'm so happy that's all I needed for you to get it. (laughs) This is like a Microsoft interview question or whatever. Yeah.
3: Oh, God. That's so perfect.
2: Um, (laughs) A bag of grain on a boat in between.
0: (laughs) I love it. You get the chicken and the fox on the in other side of the river. three moves or less. <laughs> Without letting the chicken eat the grain or the fox eat the chicken. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's good. We do have fun. We do. Uh, just uh, a couple girls. Yeah.
3: Gavin away.
2: Yeah. What else What? What else were the nuances to the question, Caleb? What to else me, you it,
3: well, it, well, it, well what, like, what do you got what do you, what, do you ask, what do you ask in that interview? Like, What kinds of stuff can you bring up? That hopefully they've done in their past that would help show that they could be a good. You know
0: what's so hard? What's so hard is like, um, so okay, Greg. Here's where I would be if I was in your shoes. uh, I think where my mindset would be is I want to, I want to do the beginning of of a larger team. And like like you said, Caleb is probably working with VAs and stuff like that. But I really wouldn't. I really, I really don't count. I I wouldn't be the one to count those unless like they're like Julia Tunstall and Chris Tunstall of a bar above. They absolutely love their va like they've had the best possible va experience you could ever imagine that's great and she's like a part of their family right so if it's a situation like that with vas then 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 that is a part of your team right but anyways when i think about it i get really excited thinking about building a team i think what fizzles and being here being a part of a team has really changed the way that i look at what the future looks like for for you know, whereas before, like we've said before, like everybody's thinking in lone wolf style. So building a team is really, really. Not only is it fun and, and cool and interesting, but it's incredibly powerful. And and Corbett, you got to something when you said picking people from your audience. One of the things that that's that's helpful is that they already they're already on board with your vision mm-hmm. and your mission and what you're doing and your topic, right? Um, and that can't be understated. I mean, when you get someone a job just because they're looking for a job you could tell and it's like, you got to try to, and then it's just, it's just office politics. You're just trying to keep people happy and get back from them something in return. Right. You know? Um, and that's, that just feels like a flat relationship, especially when you're trying to build a dynamic, you know, company. Um, and dynamic companies are the ones that end up doing the most interesting stuff. They move and shake with the trends and the, and they foresee things. And, and when, so, so for me, it, it'll come down to, if it was me on your in your in your shoes greg it'd be it'd come down to the to the kind of person they might not be a project manager background they might not be this that and the other they may just like what we're doing and what we're about and what the future of technology and communication looks like and vis a v mobile devices yada 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 um they might be just super into that and they've got the right kind of pedigree I would be interested in and in shaping them growing them up into into an ideal sort of, you know, number two, essentially, you know, whether that's in project management, every job's project management. I mean, everybody's required to be a project manager in some capacity, right? I mean, obviously, there are some jobs where you're a project manager of a construction company, like now there's some serious stuff going on. Because when does the wood get in? And when does this happen? And who do we need to have on staff for X, Y, and Z? And how about the cement pouring? And you know, now it's like nightmare, right? But every one of us has a to-do list that we're doing. And this is some kind of project management, right? So uh, I don't feel like teaching the project management stuff is is all that, that difficult. So I would focus more on uh, on the person. And by the way, not not saying that teaching project management isn't all that difficult. Just that, because it is. And people who are great at it are an unreal asset. Like people who are strategic and who are logistical, people who are logistical, I don't understand these people. They are like gods to me. They are like... How do you
2: keep those things straight and, and, and yeah. just in their head? And yeah. Just and get it. I would I would say um, you know, there there are the obvious things like you want to make sure that someone is a good cultural fit. Uh, because that goes a long way, you know, it's if you. you're on the same page, uh just in terms of, you know, you see the world in the same way. Yeah. In the same way. That's that's important. And then you want to find people that are not just smart, but as Joel Spolski says from the Fog Creek Software Guy, yeah. he always used to say they have to be smart. And they have to get things done as well. Because especially when you're talking about more technically oriented people, there are plenty of them that are smart and they're just kind of assholes about how smart they are and they don't actually get any work done. So you want to make sure that they're smart and they get things done. And then the other thing is hiring someone to me is a lot like validating a business idea. So people get really hung up on this idea that they want to validate their business idea and make sure that it's going to work before they actually do it. But it's impossible. You can get a certain amount of the way there maybe the 80-20 rule or whatever, you can get yep. a certain amount of the way to validating your business idea, just like you can get a certain amount of the way towards validating whether or not someone is going to be a good fit for your team. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you can never know until you put them on the team. Yep. And even after a month or two, you're not really going to know for a while. But that's why you take things slow and always try to build in some sort of um, mutual trial period yeah. Um, for Chase and us, it was you. We were in like a trial thing for a long time, really, because yeah. we were kind of just you know working on things casually, like as yeah whatever. Um, but even with Caleb and with Barrett, there were trial periods for both of them where it was like, okay, let's see how this goes, and then if this looks good, then six weeks or two months from now or whatever, yeah, there's going to be an opportunity to re-up. yeah to re up and renegotiate and whatever. Yeah, so that I, could be
3: around like a launch, like have have them yeah. help you with the launch of something, and then. You know, at yeah. the end, either one can part ways, kind of like we talked about in the hiring episode.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's and it. I, that's you know, idea. I worked with other people as well that we don't even talk about, but um, other people I worked with for launches and things like that. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't a good mutual fit to, mm-hmm. to bring them on full time. So
0: Yeah. All right, Caleb, anything else for uh, our good friend, Greg Hickman? Nope, nothing to add. All right, Greg, break a leg, man. Hope you find the right one. Thanks, Greg. Make it count.
3: What else we got, Caleb? All right, let's take a listen from this question from Nick, who is a Fizzler.
5: Hey, Fizzle guys, this is Nick. Um, So my question is about training and mentoring a sales team in a growing business. We have a real estate business out of New Zealand and we're expanding. We're taking on more people. We want to be a bit more systematic and efficient about both training people, bringing them on board, getting them up to speed, and also ongoing mentoring and development, and making sure we're tracking the right stuff to give you know everybody the best chance of succeeding. Um, this is sort of a new thing for me to be working on. I've done a bit of research. Where I'm at with it is, and I've got to the point where I know that I, I, I don't need to focus on. Well, I do need to watch. Uh, Number of houses sold, of course, that's that's a business result. But looking at activities that feed into that result, such as uh, number of agents called, listings viewed, uh, phone calls made, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, I have two questions beyond for, for coming up with a set of activities and tracking that sort of on a weekly basis. Can you recommend any other? Uh, ways to grow a new team member to mentor them and to help them come in and do well and the second question is you know how do you take this new framework into an existing team without it feeling like you're suffocating them easy question huh thanks guys cheers
0: easy question is right thanks for that one nick um no, this is interesting. I like, uh okay, so here's where I immediately go to. Um, I like that you already are talking about, you know, you went straight into like, okay, so obviously there's things to be tracking. There's metrics to be tracking. And your question was like, what are the right metrics to track? And then you also mentioned a couple of them. And when you said in specific, like the number of houses sold, like clearly that's the number one business sort of metric. Great. I love all of that because that's all, that's all thinking the right way. Uh, You know, um, not because people are the numbers that they get like i'm not i'm a great sales guy and i won't make more calls than the next guy like i'll make less calls than henry but i but i probably will have comparable numbers right so so number of calls might not be the right sort of thing right but figuring out what those metrics are is great so you start with the number of calls you see if that's it has any sort of causality with the results that you're looking for um if there's a correlation there and also i think the metrics that you pick Say a lot about your organization. And if I'm so like for us at Fizzle, we don't track, we don't track really any numbers in the analytics very much. Every once in a while, I'm sure you guys pop in check things out. But I only track one thing and I track what are the posts that are getting the most engagement. Uh, that, that's been my, I wrote a post about it in the Sparkline and that's been for me just such uh, an eye opener because that's a metric I believe in. And it's not a metric of how do we get, um, how do we write another thing, or how do we get more traffic? It's a metric on what are the things that we've made that people really resonate with. and I like that. things that we've made that people will read that most of the time people are reading all the way through. Um, I love that question. yeah you know and I love that that metric gets me thinking about the things I do for a living in a totally different light than how much traffic. As a question gets me thinking about my business, so you know?
2: I, I think Nick's question though isn't about which metrics. What it's he's not, asking, no, it's
0: not. Yeah. But he he, may, he got into that, God. and I love that. That's already one one direction
2: for a For for right, some, it's already a, a piece of this solution, right? Right. But but his question is not so much which metrics do I track or are these metrics good or whatever. He's talking about introducing metrics to a team and making them not feel micromanaged yeah. or like, they're well, yeah, being- he, he had
0: two. So the first one, it, cause that was the second, that was the second yeah. part. It's like, he has an existing team. How do I, yeah. how do I then reproduce this with an existing team? So with it, let's talk about the new team with a brand new team, Corbett, in your experience, like, what would you do? Like you, you've got a, you hire on five sales, you know, folks and, um, and you want to train them well and you want to motivate them well. Or, and may, like, grow them he talks about mentoring i love that i mean not a lot of sales organizations end up talking or sales parts of companies end up talking that way it's just about the numbers 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 um so i like that idea so the first thought for me is okay well first of all everybody has a little bit of a different motivator right um there are people who are strictly motivated by money so when you hang a you hang a uh some sort of a commission in front of them, and then they just want to go more, 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 right? I'm not like that. I'm the opposite of that. Um, Other people are are intrinsically motivated by being a part of a team that's doing valuable work, right? So you sell the story, you you get to to, to build up the story on like, we're putting people in the houses, you guys, we're getting families into yada. yada, you know, so some people require that. And And so getting to know which kinds of people are which way motivated is a great way to start to figure out how that training needs to look for each individual, that's one idea I have.
2: I so to me, it's always really important to um, get buy-in from the people that he's talking about, and yeah. to make them feel um, that they have autonomy over what they're working on. So, if you just shove a bunch of metrics down people's throats and say, "and yeah. say this is what you're going to be measured on," I think that can backfire. Um, I think you know when you bring new people on, or it's the same if he's talking to an existing team. I would focus on talking about the high level stuff. Like, here are our um, goals as an organization. Here, here's what we believe in, and talk about the really big picture stuff. And then have a conversation with them about how they think the work that they can do can impact those goals and those broader level, um, you know, those big picture goals and 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 beliefs and things in the organization. And talk in terms of metrics, but say, you know if we're trying to accomplish X, Y, and Z, what do we think we should be measuring to see if we're actually moving the needle on those things? Hmm. And have a conversation with people, and you'll come up with a whole bunch of different ideas. And maybe it's the metrics he's thinking of. Maybe they'll help him see other metrics that um, he's not seeing right now. And the most important thing is to make people feel like if you're going to measure them against metrics, that it's fair because they are able to influence those metrics. Yeah, Because you could say... Hey, you know, we want to make sure that, like, for example, within Fizzle, we went through this with Barrett recently. When we brought Barrett on, we said, you know, this is what Fizzle is all about. This is what we're trying to do. Here's a bunch of different metrics. Um, And I had conversations with him about, well, which ones do you feel like are fair to be measured against? Yeah. Which things do you feel like your activities can directly influence. And there's the high-level stuff, of course. You can say, how many sales are we making per month or whatever? Mm-hmm. but Or how much is churn or whatever? But there's so many components, smaller metrics that go into that thing. And so we broke it down. And, and Barrett, for example, knew that he could... St- Spark conversations in the forums. He could get more people to communicate in the forums. And our hypothesis was that the more people communicate in the forums, the more likely they are to stick around. So, therefore, that'll impact churn over time. Yeah. So, so Barrett was very comfortable with that. And he was motivated by it because he knew that, hey, you know what, tomorrow I can go in and start a bunch of conversations with people. That's going to get them to contribute more to the forums, so that metric that I measured against will go up. Mm -hmm. And then he and I agreed that at the end of some period, we would look to see if our hypothesis about that metric actually mattering was true. Yeah. So it was motivational in that sense. Whereas if you just say, you're going to be measured on how many sales we make every month as a team or whatever, and they don't see how what they do can influence that directly, it can be demotivating. And so that's where I think Nick needs to be careful, and he needs to bring the people into the conversation. Instead of just saying top-down, this is what you're measured on, say, what would you like to be measured on, and how do you think what you do influences that? And what
0: you said about the metric being clearly something that that they can affect, Mm -hmm. that's huge. Yeah, That's huge. Because if you could, if you're, I'm a sales guy and you you judge me on my sales, unfortunately, that's not a motivator for for many of us. But if you say like, okay, well, you've made 25 calls this week, uh, and that's that, like, there's the difference between the work and the results. And sometimes there's a discrepancy there that needs to be dealt dealt with. But the dream is that I can do the work, and I'm not responsible for the, the like. I can't make Sally and Jeff buy. You know, it's like it's like Glen Gary, Glen Ross. It's like you can be in that they're making the calls, doing the things, but these are these might be bad leads, man. Yeah. It's the leads. I don't know, Caleb. What are you hearing over there?
3: I, I think that what you're saying, Corbett, is really true. You have to have you have to have the metrics or the mentoring discussion with the team. Maybe like obviously come prepared with some ideas, but not in a "this is what we're going to do" kind of way. Like actually solicit some feedback from them about what they think would be the best ways to measure what they get done. But it also sounded like he's asking more than. The metric part like how do you grow these how do you grow these individuals more in just not you know okay how can they all make more sales and make the company more money but how can we foster them as employees and as individuals and i don't think we've touched on that very much yet because i think that's the harder thing to actually do
0: yeah you're right i mean to me the idea of building a team that people have buy like you, yeah, i like that concept Corbett, of buy-in like they are like bought into the idea of this, like where this could go and, and their role in the tribe. Yeah. You know, they're contributing to it. It goes back
2: to the Daniel Pink stuff we were talking about, the autonomy, mastery, and whatever the third one was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Oh, purpose. You know, so, so the conversation that I was talking about that Nick should have is really a purpose conversation to begin with. It's like, hey, you know what? Here's the purpose of the organization. Make sure people Understand that well, yeah. and once they bought into that, then then you have to rely on them to have autonomy to try to drive uh, their contributions to that purpose, yeah. and then uh, to give them the skills to master whatever trade it is they do within your organization mm-hmm. to become better and better at that stuff. Yeah,
0: well, I like it. It's a good question, Nick. Uh, it is a tough one, and and let us know what you find out about it, man. Uh, how you how you go through it? But I I, lo- I mean. We know Nick. Nick's a good guy. Uh, I like his... He's very strategic in the way that he thinks. And uh, I like that you're coming about this from a strategic point of view. Also, I hope that you get inspired by the people that you find on this team and that they help you bring even more of a person-centric, team-centric approach to it that, that you might not be able to strategize your way into. All right, what can we, do you think we could do one... Uh, a lightning question? One lightning question?
1: Sure, we got a question here from Tom Ross. Hey guys, it's Tom from designcuts.com. Thanks for the show. Um, I continue to love it and sit in the office listening to you guys smirking like an idiot and getting strange looks from people. Um, my question today is what happens when you have a ton of kind of extra content um, beyond your integral content that sustains your business? And you want to share this on your newsletter, but you don't want to overwhelm people or detract from your main content by doing so. So I'm talking about stuff like cool new features, um, stuff happening in the community and things like that. So, for example, we don't like to exceed sending out two emails per week because we don't want to overwhelm people. And these emails are already taken by the, uh, the core content that we need to keep our business running. So what is the best way to share this extra content that you know people are going to appreciate um, beyond perhaps the obvious answer of social media? Because as we all know, newsletters are the most effective way to reach as much of your audience as possible very quickly. So I hope that makes sense and keep up the great work. Love what you're doing. Cheers. So So I have an
3: example that I think is a pretty good one. Um, Wistia has really good email preferences. So if you're signed up for their regular email, I mean, you'll get emails about your actual account and stuff if you're using it. Then there's other checkboxes for like big features that come out. There's checkboxes that you get notified for like blog digest and posts that come out for any of their tutorials or stuff like that. But then they have one specifically that's like a community newsletter. And that's based on things in the forum. And they send that out once a week. So... You know, if there's people that want to get different kinds of emails about design cuts and about your community and they want to hear about what people are doing, you know, give them the option to subscribe to different kinds of things. And we do this at Fizzle with, you know, you can get notified every morning that a blog post comes out, or you can get like a weekly digest if that's too often. And that goes out like on Friday when our podcast comes out. So, you know, it takes more work to set this kind of thing up. But I think that if you have, you know, a big enough community like he does at design cuts. It makes sense to start to segment the people a little bit and let them get the kind of emails they want to get.
2: Yeah, and then beyond email, um, you just have to think about the other places that people interact with you. And for Fizzle, we have in-app notifications. We use Intercom, and that gives us the ability to pop up a little notification when people log in. So I don't know if Tom's you know uh, customers are logging in often, but that's yeah. one way. Uh, another way is through a community or forums. So we have. An announcement section in our forums that people um can come to. we also have weekly sessions live sessions for our members where they come and hang out with us for an hour um you know for live office hours type stuff, and we do announcements in there sometimes as yeah. well. so we have a bunch of different channels if Tom only has email, then basically his choices are either send out more emails per week, yeah. add more content to each email that he sends out, or create different kinds of emails that people can opt in and opt out of.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a really good summary, actually. But I, just to to say, like, we have the same issue, though, in terms of, like, there's basically, there's something you can communicate in an email. There is one something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you might have five things to say, and people could be really wanting to hear those things, and who knows who these in the audience that's going to change the game for them. But it's tough because you're going to, like, so that sort of ruthless communication is what makes a lot of things successful on the internet, is a a sense of purpose and a value around the things that they're talking about to to cut down the number of things going on. So just so you know, everybody has that problem in some way. You're not alone, Tom. And the way that you solve that problem says a lot about, your approach to that problem says a lot about your organization.
2: Exactly. Give Give it the
3: extra care that it deserves.
0: Ooh. I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves.
2: I've been Corbett Barr.
3: I like that when Chase just really likes something, it'll end the episode. <laughs> yeah, We haven't I've done it like 10 like... minutes in yet, <laughs> yeah. but it's just kind of like when Chase feels like one of us said something or he Ooh. said something. Then just, boom, oh, there it's it done. Is. Dro- yeah. He just there dropped the mic. Drops yeah, the exactly. mic. Take a I've been Caleb. Just Caleb. Oh, just <laughs> just Caleb. Caleb.
0: I've been Leb. I've been Leb. <laughs> There you have it. Our thanks to Mike, Greg, Nick, and Tom for your questions. We love hearing from you guys. We really do. You can ask your question, and we'll do our best to answer it for you here on the air. You don't have to take our advice, like Corbett says. Uh, not that it's going to be real good. Um, not uh, just, you know, just the advice of a handful of white dudes on microphones. Not that uh, we got any sort of proprietary uh, insights about business or anything. But we'll give you our best shot. Just head over to fizzleshow.co slash ask. Or shoot us an email at heyguys at fizzle.co fizzleshow.co slash 71 that's f-i-z-z-l-e show.co slash 71 is where you can find notes and a conversation about this episode come pipe in on the comments come pipe it pipe it in bring your own pipe you got something bring your pipe share it pass it around come on over comment pipe in just hook your pipes up You'll also find in there a link to uh, a really great podcast episode where Mike Hurley, one of our questioners today, interviewed me for his great show, Command Space. Here's the rest of that uh, iTunes rating from Hank Johnson. He, he wrote our intro this this episode, and uh, here's what else he says. Uh, These guys are experienced and make you realize that you can make it, that you're not alone in this journey. Honest, entertaining, usually straight to the point. Thanks, Hank Johnson from Norway. That's a country you probably, you might not have ever heard of it but we have listeners there that's awesome listen if you like this please leave us an honest rating in iTunes just like Hank Johnson did it doesn't cost you much means the world to us uh, it helps people find the show so just open up iTunes head to the, click the store tab search for fizzle you'll see Jamaican dance hall booty music just instead click on the, on the white guys the three white guys that's the one to click and, uh, and click write a review Let us know what you think. Give us another intro to the show. If we were different kinds of chocolates, if we were artisanal desks, if we were uh, the types of hats, if we were people in YM, in the the village people, if we were books on your bookshelf, if we were text editors, if we were blogs about Apple releases, which ones would we be? You guys get to make the rules. Isn't that fun? (laughs) Hey, listen, when you hit your next roadblock, I mean this, when your ass starts to singe, from the fire that's it that's a fun vision right there nice little mental image remember you're not alone find care take care serve hard dig in thanks and talk to you next fizzle friday